1: morning as we wrap up the series uh, we have invited some of our favorite parents um, from our church family to share about their parenting journey so as those folks go ahead and uh, start to come out I want to uh, remind you that over the last four weeks as Tyler has been teaching us and talking to us about intentional parenting one of my favorite things about this whole series is how practical it has been is how many tools and resources and topics of conversations it has uh, provided each of us and so today's not going to be any different. I want to encourage you to take notes. I want to encourage you to write down some of the questions that we're talking through so that you can answer those questions yourselves or talk to your kids to answer those questions. So um, today's going to be a great day and I am excited that you all are here. And I have some friends here with me so I'm going to give them the chance to introduce themselves and if you guys don't mind to start right here on this end uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: (laughs) Sure Uh, Phil Marshall. um, Kathy and I have three children. I think John's here this morning at this service. I don't see him right now. Where? Okay, because I need to look at you sometimes while I'm talking. (laughs) Um, So we have three children. They're 29, 27, and 22. So it's been great this morning to have kids of different ages. Um, I was a banker for 15 years and then uh, made a very big change. Uh, went to work at the Healing Place and then Norton Healthcare Foundation and on to Hospice Health. So um, it's been a great journey and this community has been so great to us.
2: I am Kathy Marshall. Um, we also have, by the way, a wonderful uh, son in love and a uh, daughter, future daughter in love. Um, our oldest son is getting married in December. Um, I have been a stay-at-home mom uh, since our oldest was born, Um, so, yeah, and we've been members, did you say we've been members here about six years, so. Thank
0: you. And
2: Everly. Oh, yeah, and we have a granddaughter, Everly, and another one on the way. Sorry. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Uh,
3: My name is Will Parton, and this is Audrey, and we have been married for 17 years. Uh, We've been a part of the Northeast family for the last three years. Uh, We attend the Clifton campus. Uh, We were missionaries in the Dominican Republic for about 15 years uh, and just moved back to Louisville, Kentucky in 2019.
4: I'm Audrey, as he said. We have three daughters all through the avenue of adoption. Um, They are 10, 8, and 6 and so much fun. Um, We are so, so blessed by them.
5: My name is Lynn Moore. I've been here at Northeast for about four years. I um, met my husband at Georgia Tech. We've been married about 15 years, and we have five kids. Uh, Two of them, I think. I can't see if all of them are here or not, but um, (laughs) over here. Um, I have uh, my oldest is 19, she's my bonus daughter. Uh, and I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old. I work for our family business, HGI Supply Chain Solutions, and very thankful to
1: be here today. Thanks guys, uh, one of our hopes with the conversation today is that um, you make sure that you realize that these folks are not up here because they're perfect, they're really close to perfect. Um, but we figured the only way to, to show that to you and make you more comfortable was to ask them to share just a parenting fail with you as we get started. So would anybody like to share just a moment that maybe wasn't your favorite moment in parenting?
4: I will start, um, lots of fails for sure, but one that comes to mind It was pretty recent. Um, So, as you can see, three girls, three different kinds of hair. um, And it was picture day last year for school. And the night before, they all wanted rollers. So I was like, let's do rollers. We did sponge rollers. We did these twisty, funky, fun rollers. um, And the next morning, it just was an epic fail. And my youngest daughter, who, I don't know if you can see her, she's in the yellow bow, um, I don't know what I was thinking doing rollers in her hair. And so, but there was nothing that could be done about it. We're rushing to get out the door on our way to school and it was her yearbook photo, um, one that will follow her forever. <laughs> That's good.
0: Um, I've shared this a couple of times. On a little more serious note, I my uh, My daughter emily was is a great storyteller, and um, she loved to tell stories at the dinner table and I never forget the moment where I was really not being present. Um, I think I'd had a long day, and I just kind of cut off her story and It sounds small, but I think it really stuck with me that I, you've really got to be present, no matter what your day's been like with your kids because you know it my guilty conscience, you know, after that, it was very impacting. That, gosh, um, how did that affect her? And, you know, but anyway, just the, the being present and, and listening to the stories.
1: Thank you for sharing that. It leads us perfectly into our next question, which is really just the whole concept of this series has been intentional parenting. And the word intentional means something different to every single one of us. So, what comes to mind um, for any of you when you think about what? being an intentional parent has looked like in your own homes and in your own parenting journey what's that what's that mean to you
5: i I think for us it's been just making sure that prayer is a big part of our day and being intentional in that way and just always being honest with our children and making sure they can trust what we say and more recently um, growing into these teenage years realizing that. Um, they need other voices in their lives to speak into them. So we've been um, just being intentional about the type of people that they are around, the people that are pouring into them, um, setting up mentorships or just the friends that they are spending the more time with and just knowing that and being here at church with the leaders here that can pour into them. And so um, we're just in a season right now where I realize that um, my voice isn't always heard the same way as others. So just being intentional about those voices in their life.
3: I recently heard a quote that was meant for um, for business and creating a culture within your organization, but it said, good leaders don't drive results, they steward environments that produce fruit. And I started to think about that with our family and just thinking about what kind of culture do we want in our home? What kind of culture do we want with our family? And so one of the things we've talked about recently in this season of life as our girls are young is, is fostering a spirit of gratitude. Um, and I also want them to don't think that God is some far off thing that they uh, kind of pray to before meals or or at bed but to really know uh, his name and, and who he is and who he says that he is and so one of the things we've done at night uh, is with each one of our girls to foster that gratitude and also get them to know who, who Jesus is is their prayer time is they address God in a different name every single night according to what scripture says and then um, they pray for something that they're grateful for and then they pray for someone and so I don't know if it's working yet, but we're really enjoying that time with them and really trying to foster, like I said, that culture uh, of gratitude and really knowing who Jesus is. That's good.
2: Um, I think one of the things that um, I've always tried to do um, intentionally is as our kids have come to us over the years with tough questions or um, looking for advice or whatever um, to kind of try and P- pray through those conversations um, to hopefully that my words would be God's words and not my own words with my own baggage and um, that kind of thing. And um, recently our, our daughter uh, told me that um, that she has used that through her conversations with her husband or, you know, co-workers or whatever that when she has to have tough conversations or whatever that um, she prays through that. So I love that. That's good. All right,
1: so if any of your own parents were here today, um, do you think that they would say that you are parenting or you have parented very similarly to how they did and how you grew up? Or have you intentionally done things differently or similar? What does that look like for each of you?
5: One of the things for us has been just the making church a non-negotiable in our family. When we were growing up, my father was the, head coach at the University of Tennessee for uh, five years, and um, he would schedule his practices uh, with his team so that we could go to church together as a family and um, even eat after church together as a family. And that has always, um, I think that's impacted us in the way that we just, there will be days we have to miss church, games, um, sports, other obligations, but when we can be here, we try to be here, and that has impacted um, our family in a good way
3: my mom growing up was kind of fly by the sea of her pants type of person and so um, i'm not throwing her under the bus when i'm comparing her parenting to ours uh, now because we talked about this last night with her um, but one of the things that i've admired so much about what audrey has done with our girls and tyler talked about this last week he gave us that long list of big moments in, in their life and to be prepared and not caught off guard for those moments and so uh, audrey in particular has been really intentional with our girls preparing for those moments uh, specifically with some changes that have gone on uh, with our oldest daughter uh, as of late. And so having those conversations, being prepared for those conversations, being present for those big moments, rather than looking back and saying, oh yeah, that happened, didn't it? Six (laughs) weeks ago. And so uh, that's been one way that I feel like um, my mom and and my dad would have said, yeah, you guys are doing it different. Mm, That's good.
0: Um, Short story to share. So I think we've been um, very intentional in, since parenting, is the hardest job of all, uh, to try to let our kids make their own decisions to get that um, problem-solving, critical thinking part. I remember my father um, helped me rewrite uh, a prayer that I did at my high school graduation. So I was 18 years old, and my dad was an extraordinary man. He wanted, always wanted everything to be better. But I think at times you got to let go of that and be more vulnerable. We've talked about vulnerability this morning and, and really let, let your kids make those mistakes. That's a really hard, hard thing to do, uh, not to try to correct everything, but to say, great job, not great job. But, you know, maybe this could have been better or worse, but all of that. So good.
1: what comes to mind when you think about your greatest joy or your biggest win as a parent?
4: One thing that comes to mind for for me is um, when the girls are getting out of the car in the mornings, heading into school. One thing that I say to them is, "Be loving and kind. Look for the lonely today." And it's um, something that is definite broken record. I don't know if they hear me every day because I've said it so much. Um, but a victory was last week when our middle came home and was like, "Mommy, I found the little girl today on the playground under the shade tree that didn't have a friend that was by herself." And, we play today um, sounds minor sounds small but um, it's a victory because it in you know in my mind in our mind it's the consistency um, that we are giving them showing them that was um, bearing fruit mm-hmm. um,
5: I, what makes me proudest is just anytime I see them showing love and concern for their friends and um, they're all athletes so when they're on the field or on the court and I see them celebrating their teammates more than they would celebrate themselves that makes me very proud and or when they come home and they say hey mom so and so is going through something We really need to pray for them then I know that Jesus is moving in their hearts and I um, just love that they are able to put others ahead of themselves and and love and care for the people around them
2: Um, one of the things is a stay-at-home mom Um, I love being a mom, but I always struggled with um, having worked most of my other life until I stayed home, um, doing, and with anybody who knows Phil, that he's been able to do big things with his career and, you know, really feel the calling, um, you know, as it relates to his career. And so I always kind of felt like, you know, what is my calling? Um, And... um, So um, anyway, so and I've shared that with my kids, and we encourage them to um, seek their calling and and find what um, what is God's purpose in their life. Um, And so I I was having a conversation with my daughter about this, um, as she was I think she was in college, and and just sharing my own. And she said, "Um, "Mom, you've got three kids who love the Lord and are going to heaven. Like, what other calling is there than that?" So anyway.
1: so good amen I love that yeah let's go when it comes to trying to teach and help your kids understand the value of being a family what does that mean to you guys what are you trying to instill in your children
3: I think in particular for our family, um, one of the things we've talked about just by the nature uh, of having adopted children is painting a bigger picture uh, of what family looks like. You know, we can use our last name and say, hey, in the Parton family, these are our values and this is what we stand for. Uh, But introducing them to that larger story of what it means to be adopted into God's family, because we can all um, resonate with that. And so. One of the ways that we just really talk about family is talking about their adoption story as well as our adoption story into God's family and what you inherit uh, when you are adopted into God's family. And so that's been a big thing for us. We know that there's gonna be struggles along the way uh, with identity and things like that as, as we look at um, the brokenness that comes from adoption. Uh, mm-hmm. But when we recognize that we are a part of a larger family and we're called to a specific mission, that really is our hope and our goal uh, as we define family uh, for us.
2: Mm-hmm
5: i think for us we've just tried to make sure our just try to help them to be grateful for their family Um, my husband lost his mom when she when uh, he was a teenager so just being grateful for your siblings your parents and that family goes beyond um, your immediate family right your um, church family your friends Um, we have uh, my my girlfriends who they call aunt so-and-so so So i think just um, knowing that just being grateful um, for the people in your lives um, in different areas
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and i think uh, i'll I'll be brief but i think for us having dinner together every night i know that's getting harder in today's world much harder but whenever we could have dinner together to sit down playing family game nights which aren't really spiritual but they become spiritual and i think as your kids get older now I told this story earlier about uh, Kathy went into a, we just were up in Michigan, went into a store and she came out crying and um, I said, well, what happened in there? <laughs> and uh, she had seen a plate that described having your children still feel like your home is a sanctuary for them. So, and that's what it's all about is to try to, to work through and, and have appropriate consequences for things, for behaviors and work through it together and be vulnerable again. I mentioned that earlier, but the plate does describe, you know, coming home and sitting on the couch and that's what you want the most is for them to feel like family is sanctuary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for anyone who's wondering, he did go back and buy the plate. I had to ask earlier because <laughs> I needed to know. They bought the plate. You didn't want me to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, the word consistency is hard. It can feel overwhelming as parents. Uh, what are some things that you have done in order to foster that culture or that environment of consistency? Audrey, you mentioned little, uh, something little, that feels little that you say to the girls every day, but it's not little at all. Is there anything else that comes to mind of how you've been consistent in your parenting? Uh,
3: one of the things that we've just implemented uh, recently, uh, which has been really good for our family and actually came on the heels of a tough conversation that Audrey and I had, um i was going through this kind of journey and she wrote me a letter uh, affirming me but also challenging me and had said i really would love to see you step up in, in leading our family uh, spiritually and so one of the things that we've started to do is just before school uh is to about 7 30 before we get out uh, out of the house and take the girls to school is some consistent family devotions and so you guys that have young kids and are try- trying to get your kids to school there's nothing about the morning that's consistent um and so Uh, But we've tried to pick the one thing that that can be. And so uh, having our oldest, you know, read scripture and then we'll go through devotion and just try to hear from them. Most of the time they're kind of kicking each other and still eating breakfast and, you know, figuring out their hair deal. But being consistent with that, uh, we talked earlier about they may not necessarily understand or remember the things that were said, but they'll remember the consistency of the act. Mm -hmm. And so we've just said we want to commit to, to making that a consistent thing for our kids.
5: this is something we have not done well we have we will start something and and we'll just stick with it for a little while but life gets in the way um you know illness or schedule changes so one of the things that i think has been so helpful for going through this series is that we are casting a vision for what we want for our family so i think you know our goal will be to um once we have that vision to stay committed to that vision even though it may look different Um, And it may look like it's not consistent, but we're going to stay committed to that vision um, so that at the end of the day, um, we're raising them to be who God's called them to be.
2: I I was just going to say, I I think that um, for us, I I feel like it's been different throughout. um, And I think right now we're trying to figure out what that looks like, given now we have new grandchildren and we have Um, our son-in-law and our future daughter-in-law and you know just what does that look like now what is our role Mm
1: -hmm. let's talk a little bit about prayer how do you um, incorporate prayer into your rhythms Um, praying for your children praying with your children what does that look like in your families
5: we, we pray every morning of the weekday. We do a devotional on the Bible app. Um, so we're pr- we'll, we'll do the devotional, and then we'll pray for the day, tests coming up, any struggles they um, may have for the day or um, friends they want to pray for. And then we pray together at night, um, and it's become very formal. Sometimes they'll look at each other and say, "Is anybody a prayer request? Um, and it's also looked different in that sometimes some of them don't want to get out of the bed so they'll will FaceTime so we've done FaceTime praying together but we are praying <laughs> together every night when I when I had covid about a year ago we were all on that FaceTime we join each other and we pray so that is one thing we've been consistent about is praying together every night but one of the things that I you know hope to grow in is taking time to pray for them individually there are nights that we do that but I know that you know as they're growing into the teen years and getting ready for college and I have my oldest who's launching into adulthood is just, I need to take more time to pray for them um, individually in their individual needs, so.
4: Yes, I would say, you know, we, we pray during devotion time in the morning as a family, um, at night before bed. But one thing that's very important to me um, is getting up early before anyone is awake. Um, and that's something I had to learn, that was a discipline, um, because I was not a morning person before kids came. Um, now I am, very much so. And so I will set that alarm for 5.15, get up, um, go outside on our back patio, and just spend time praying for my children uh, mm. before they awake.
0: Even our uh, our children's age, I think now we, as I think I mentioned this earlier, but we ask them to, or I will, or Kathy will ask them to pray at an event or a di- even at dinner so that we're not just saying the same and I, I feel like now I learn from them so much in how to pray openly and say it a little bit differently in talking to God. So I think, even, I, I, think I would encourage you to do that even younger, which we didn't do enough of that bro.
1: Something we talk about at Northeast a little bit is um, having a playbook. Uh, And the whole point of that is really just have a plan for how you're going to be intentional um, about all things, including how you're going to serve and love other people. Uh, The playbook is focused on, you know, how are you going to serve people in your home, serve people in your city, in your church, in your school, in your workplace? Um, So my question is, how have you kind of instilled that value of Love the Ville, that lifestyle of everything we do is to serve and love other people. What are some ways that you have taught that in your own homes?
3: I think for us in particular, we you know, had the, uh, I guess we kind of cheated early on, but we were living in the Dominican Republic as missionaries and so we could literally walk out our front door and have opportunities to serve people uh, that were really kind of staring in the face. And we used to host a lot of short-term mission teams that would come down. And so we would go to places where our churches had been planted and we would go to nutrition centers and our kids would come and they would serve meals to other kids. And there was just great opportunity for that. But when we moved back to here in 2019, that's something that we've talked about is how are we gonna foster that, um, which is again, the culture of service. And so for us right now, <laughs> it is making sure that uh, they serve one another. Uh, you know around our house people are quick to say well that's not my mess or I didn't do that or she did that and you know, just really being able to step in um, and serve one another that way and then when Northeast provides opportunities to go and serve other other communities I know that's really impactful to be able to take your children with you we had a neat story uh, that happened with our oldest where I'd went to serve on a Saturday with a group of people from Northeast and I took her with me and it was pretty heavy construction. Uh, and so I just asked if, if she could join and go meet um, the owner of the house where we were serving. And there was a really neat thing that happened on the back end of that. She spent a little bit of time uh, with the owner of that house while everybody was you know tearing down trees and building fences and things like that. Um, but uh, when we had left, the owner of the house had given a bracelet, uh, I think to Tamara, to be able to give to my daughter um, at some point, just because of the impact of going and just spending a few minutes with the owner of that house. And so Northeast provided us that opportunity, and it just proved to be a really sweet time for our family.
5: Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback of a Will and say that just being a part of this church family has allowed opportunities for them to serve and also um, their school through their school. And they really do love it. And I just think as a family, it just inspires us to really figure out where as a family we should be serving outside of those opportunities. But we're very thankful that Northeast does give us those opportunities to serve with, with our church family.
0: And just to kind of piggyback on all that, the, um, we were able to take two family trips to the Dominican to work. And then John, who's here today, uh, did his internship down there. Um, so I think my, my message might be, let your kids lead you in this endeavor because they want to do things like this and a great example my daughter uh, talks about my experience at the healing place and i would take her and and my mother-in-law would go down to serve on thanksgiving day at the healing place and she said just this week as we were talking about it you know that helped me get over the fear of being around homeless people that are getting hope back in recovery of all colors, shapes, sizes. She said, I, because of that experience, I, I don't feel like I fear uh, and I respect everyone. So I mean, I think it can be huge just letting them take the lead. They, they all, our kids also went to Chrysalis and led us to the Emmaus Walk, which is hugely impacting on us. So again, they know. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk a little bit about community. I think as parents, regardless of what season of parenting you're in, it can feel very isolating. It can feel like no one else is going through what you're trying to figure out. Um, there's no one, no one could possibly understand. Um, but we know as, as Christ followers that scripture, you know, encourages us to surround ourselves with people and to live in community. So what are some ways that you guys have intentionally stepped into uh, just surrounding yourselves with other people living in community?
5: I think being part of this family has helped me to not feel isolated as a parent, and just all the practical um, wisdom that we gain from being here. This series again has been great. Um, I'm fortunate; I live with my mom and dad, so that helps me um, to not feel isolated when I'm struggling with a parenting issue. And then just having, um, you know, Bible study groups or women's groups or sometimes community groups that you're a part of. And and also for me, it's as simple as. Texting with friends my sister my um, other friends that I know will encourage me and help me and and just being I think being vulnerable and open with what you're going through allows you to not feel isolated because it's Very rare that somebody else is not going through some of the same things and just you know sharing those verses of um, Inspiration and those group chats that where you know you can reach out to those friends to help you when you're going through something
3: yeah I think just kind of um, what you said, when you commit to community and you're willing to be vulnerable and transparent, then you really do try. It. you find a true community. And so, for us in particular, uh, we have been fortunate enough to have some really neat neighbors uh, that live in our neighborhood, and part of our deal of moving back here was we want to be intentional about creating community and the people that we with the people that we see every single day. So that's not just driving to a community group twenty minutes away that you see for an hour a week, but actually, interacting with the people that are around you. And so uh, where we've seen some fruit in that is being able to share our failures being able to mm-hmm. be transparent uh, when it comes to parenting and marriage and life and purpose and all those types of things. And so uh, I think community is successful when, when you commit to being vulnerable.
2: Mm-hmm. Same
1: here all right great perfect um what can anybody think of an example of how you try to point your kids to jesus in the little everyday things just teaching them that it doesn't have to be about the big aha moments um but that jesus is all around us and we just have to look for him sometimes
5: well i think especially over the last two years um we've had opportunities with um um we live we lived in louisiana for seven years and we and lost a 15 year old that our family knew well and with illness um, with covid that's gone on and and different relationship issues with with their friends um, just telling our kids and teaching them and not trying to make them think everything is going to be okay everything is going to be fine like we know that everything might not be fine you might get COVID. you might get sick you may lose a friend and hard things may happen You may have a fight with your friend, but in in all of it, Jesus is going to be with you. You're not alone, and he's going to help you through it. And I think that's where um, just having some of those open, honest conversations with our kids. And also, I mean, not that it's all gloom and doom. You know, we know there are good things and there are are blessings to be celebrated in life. But um, I just feel like in the last couple years, those are some of those everyday things and some of the hard conversations that we've had to have. also, I have an um, autoimmune disease that makes my feet numb. And I remember my son asking me one day, mom, are your feet ever going to be normal again? And I said, they will be in heaven. So I just think we have to you know, use those opportunities, use those everyday things to point them to the fact that Jesus is with us going through these hard things. And um, there'll be good moments and hard moments, but mm-hmm. he's always with us.
2: Mm-hmm. That's good. I think we've always tried to um, stress to our kids that uh, Jesus is not only everywhere, but He's in everyone, and that it's important to love everyone, give people grace and respect everyone that you meet. That's
1: good. Lynn, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Does anybody want to share about just a tough moment in parenting, a challenging moment or day or event, um, just share kind of what you learned through that or what perspective that experience gave
3: you? Um, yeah, this was fairly recent for me. I've been, um, God has been revealing some stuff to me personally, just about, um, some things I've been holding on to. Uh, one of them just kind of, just underneath the surface, some, uh, some anger, um, and just maybe some control stuff for me. And for those of you that have young kids, you know that you have control over nothing. And so um, our, our, our middle child is, is on the spectrum, and our youngest has a mild form of cerebral palsy. And so our house can be pretty chaotic sometimes. And uh, we talked earlier about not each one of your kids are the same. And if you try to parent them all the same, then um, you can run across some pretty difficult moments. And so recently, um, My middle child kicked my youngest child in the face and um i have a streak of just that justice piece of me where i really struggle when someone uh, is being picked on or something like that is happening to someone who's vulnerable and so um and it's a hard thing for me to talk about um but i picked her up pretty aggressively and one Mm -hmm. of the things that we've been talking about within our ministry is who is in your care who has god placed Mm -hmm. in your life to steward and you feel responsible for their spiritual development. And obviously my wife and my kids um, are are top of that list. And as I was holding her really frustrated and being challenged with my own anger in that moment, um, I realized that she's in my care. I'm supposed to steward this relationship well and point her to Jesus, and I'm potentially getting ready to do something that is gonna drive her away significantly. And so uh, that was a really foundational moment for me. It was an emotional moment, Uh, but then it also gave me the opportunity to be able to go back and ask her for forgiveness and model that. Um, But God just continues, again, for those of you that are parents, God continues to reveal uh, things in you uh, that are not of Him through the parenting journey. And so uh, that was one for me.
1: Thank you for sharing that.
2: Anybody else? Um, One of really tough moment. <laughs> Will and I were talking about this in the car, um, trying to get through this, but... Um, was dropping off our oldest son at college. Um, was really tough, not, not for the usual reasons that I was gonna miss him, and he was our first child going off, although we would miss him and everything, but he was just at a really tough place in his life, um, and kind of on a bad trajectory. Um, but, you know, he thought he had it all together and he was gonna, you know, bound and determined. And so we had to let him do that. And um, it was really tough. And um, we, what did we do through it? We we prayed. I mean, we um, did a lot of prayer, did a lot of crying, um, talking and talking him through things. And, um, but, you know, of course now, Perspective. We have perspective and God is good and he uses things and um, he's 10 years in recovery and Amen. God is good. So. But prayer, I mean, it mm-hmm. was, it was prayer and it was faith and um, knowing he had his own journey, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't our journey to, to take, it was his journey. Mm-hmm.
1: It's so powerful to think that in those moments that feel like, some of our worst moments. You never probably would think in that moment that you're gonna be sharing with a whole room of people what you walked through and how God walked with you through that Um, and it's just such a testament to his goodness and his consistency in our lives um, that he models for us as we figure out how to model that for our kids and that's really powerful. Thank you guys so much for sharing those. Um, Can anybody think of any other ways that uh, parents can partner with our church? or maybe you have partnered with the church um, in your own parenting journey? We've mentioned a lot of things already this morning um, from community to getting involved with service um, to you know, catching up on this whole sermon series that we've had. Are there any other things that you have done in a church environment that have helped you in your parenting journey?
2: Well,
5: I think for us and my kids, just being a part of the elementary and middle school ministries, now I have one that's moving to the high school ministry. And again, I think it's just having those other voices to reinforce what you want them to learn at home and um, just the values that you want them to have. And I, I, I'm i just a firm believer in other voices, you know, teaching and helping and supporting them. And one of the things that I feel like Northeast has done for our family in particular is um, during all of the racial turmoil that went on in 2020 and continues in, in some ways, um, and especially our city is just, the way that our youth ministries um, truly see our kids and value them for who they are. So that's where, where kids need us right now, is to love them where they are and value who they are as a person. And and I do think that my kids have felt seen here and loved um, for who they are. That's
1: awesome.
3: Yeah, I've, we've loved this series. And, and so I think Northeast has done a tremendous job of giving us the tools. And I think the way that we are talking about partnering back with the church is being obedient to what's been shared. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think we, um, you know, Tyler talks a lot about being discipled by our culture and there's a different culture that's being presented here at this church. And so being obedient to what it is that is being put in front of us is our next step. And so um, not not asking more from the church, but asking more from us uh, and being obedient.
2: That's really good.
0: My my longtime barber who's now retired said, to be interested and have a great church, you have to have great preaching, great music, and great youth ministries. And I, I believe that's true. And So I think the focus for John's here this morning, our son, and uh, we actually put him into a Christian preschool. Um, the other two didn't really have that experience. And I think that I think early on you can do things also with church and with school that can tie them Mm-hmm. sooner uh, mm-hmm. to that love of God and Christ. So anyway, I think it carries on through. Oh, that's
1: so. good. All right, this is for all of you. If we pulled your own kids up here on stage and we asked them to describe your parenting, um, how do you hope they would describe you as their parent?
5: I hope, well, if we, if we asked them, they would t- say, I'm a terrible dancer that I embarrass them all the time. <laughs> they won't do any TikToks with them, they won't teach me. Um, but <laughs> what I hope they would say is that um, they know how much I love them and that I was always trying to learn to be better and do better and love them in the way that they felt loved most. Um, um, I hope they would say I was always honest with them, um, even the hard truths of what my life was like before I was closer to Jesus. Um, I hope that they know that I was never too prideful to apologize when I was wrong. Um, and I hope that they will be able to look back in this season of life and say that I remember that time that mom put her phone down mm-hmm. and focused on me more and um, grew with me in my faith in the Lord. So, good.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say, um, I would hope my girls would say that I was their biggest advocate in their successes and their failures, um, whatever journey they're on. That mom was behind them, cheering them on, in everything that they attempt, everything they do.
3: I know my kids would say that they love being with their mom more than they'd be with their dad, and, but I can resonate <laughs> with that. Um, and I, you know, I obviously hope that they uh, would say that dad, you know, loved Jesus and you know pursued him fiercely. But I. One of the things that uh, has been really important to me, and I hope that they would say, is that I love their mom well. Um, One of the best gifts that my parents ever gave to me was a healthy marriage. And I know what kind of safety that creates for them, what kind of confidence, how that affects their identity. And so at the end of the day, um, yeah, I hope that they say that I love their mom really well.
0: I think uh, children want and need boundaries and Kathy's really good at hearing, listening, and then, you know, if there are consequences, you know, the consequences out in the world are so much more dire than what the consequences at home are. And I think, and that was a common expression at the Healing Place as well, that, you know, if, if something's, if something's, if we talk this through and there's still consequences, let's not do it with anger. And, and I, I struggle with that. Um, It's funny, John and I even had a conversation last night where I was not listening and I wasn't hearing what was troubling him or how he was feeling, so it, it never stops, but I think our kids feel like now they're like, well, we're glad you were so strict and that we set those boundaries, which they say they don't want, obviously, in the moment, but I think then they feel like that really helped them when they come back to okay, what is really important as they go along in their educational journey too. So um, I would think they they would say now, hey, we're glad you're strict and you set boundaries and we actually had consequences that can be much worse out there.
2: Mm -hmm. I guess I would just hope that they would say that um, I love them well and loved others, showed Jesus' love to others. Mm -hmm. That's good.
1: Thank you guys. Um, For everybody here, I hope that Um, as we're wrapping up this series today, um, we don't want it to be the end of the conversation. We hope that it's the exact opposite, um, that it's just the beginning of, you know, challenging yourself to figure out what this season of life looks like, whether you are a parent or a grandparent, or you have a friend who has a child that you could walk with right now um, and help them figure out how to be a more intentional parent. Uh, maybe you could challenge your parent to be more intentional with you. I think the the limits to how far you can take this are up to you, and so again, we hope this is the beginning of the conversation. And if you did miss any of the last four weeks, um, there are so many great tools and resources and worksheets, Um, so please go back and make sure that you take in all the content uh, that was available. Um, Don't just take it in, figure out what you're gonna do with it, uh, because that's where the real work begins. Um, But will you guys just um, for a minute thank these folks for being up here today? It can be um, difficult and intimidating uh, to be vulnerable and to share. And I'm so thankful that we're a part of a church where that is not only allowed, but it's encouraged um, every single week. And so I just want to pray um, this morning as we uh, move to a time of communion, I'm going to pray for the folks on this stage and also for everybody with us this morning, um, just to keep this conversation going. So please bow your heads with me. Father God, I thank you for the incredible privilege it is to just be here today um, to Share a conversation to share our hearts to um, to see where you have been challenging each of us to uh, become more like you. God, as we each leave here today, I pray that we will take um, what we need to take into our own lives, um, that we will do that with a newfound energy and passion and excitement um, for where it is that you have us in this season of our lives. I thank you for each person on the stage who has shared and um, allowed uh, you to use their story and their experiences to connect with the folks joining us this morning for service. And again, I just... Pray that you'll stay with each of us as we um, decide what we're gonna do with this um, and we lean on you for strength through that. It's in your name that we pray, amen.